Welcome to chapel. Glad you're all here. Good to see your faces. Balcony people, awesome. Theme for this year for chapel is known and loved. Got it, it's on the front of the bulletin. You can't hardly miss it. We get that. Today, your response is Happy New Year. On the count of three, I'll ask and you'll say Happy New Year, right? One, two, three. With more enthusiasm, one, two, three. Today we celebrate Rosh Hashanah. After chapel today, you are invited to stick around out in the area beyond the patio. There's tables, there'll be some food, uh, and Rabbi Bell will uh, give us some education and some uh, opportunity to feast and share some sweet treats as... Uh, as we bring in this new year. With that, we stand. We come together to worship, celebrate, and remember. It is through the love of others that we are reminded that we are known and loved. Listen carefully. Try to be aware of others. It is through them that you will hear God. Let us pray. God of creation, force of life, you have created us according to your divine plan. You know us and love us as we are. Help us extend your love to others. Renew within us the desire to know you and our neighbors. Amen. Today's first reading is from the book of Genesis, the 40th chapter. So Joseph asked the Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph, and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms came out, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into the Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. Three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But remember me when it, was, when it is well with you, Please do me the kindness to make mention of me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this place. For in fact, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his cupbearing, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But the chief baker he hanged, just as Joseph had interpreted to them. 
Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Today's second reading is from Paul's epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 13. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember, those who are in prison, as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured, as you yourselves were being tortured. Here in the readings. I have two things. Stopwatch to make sure I'm not talking too much, which I'm prone to do. And my notes, which without, I also for sure will talk more than I need to. I love that story with Joseph, and I think as, as we'll talk and, and I'll share more, I think that'll make more sense. The, the pivotal point of that is not the uh, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat music that you hear playing in your head, which I definitely listened to a lot this week, but uh, the message of forgetfulness. I am such a private person. Nobody ever knows what I think or feel about spiritual things, religious things. I'm very shy. I uh, don't like getting in front of groups. Of course, all that's very ridiculous. I'm, I'm probably as close to uh, an open book as anybody you can find. It can come at a price. Uh, about two years ago, I spoke in chapel. And a few months later, as uh, Angela and I were looking for a new house to rent, we were working with a real estate agent who Googled me and listened to my message. I'm glad that she liked it because we got that house and we needed it. I wonder what would have happened if she wouldn't have liked what I had to say. I do worry... Um, that the things that I do in public and the advocacy and some of the battles that I fought very publicly recently uh, will have negative impacts on my, my wife and my two sons. I hope that the positives balance out uh, the negatives. Um, many in my life, I think, wish that I would be silent about certain things or certain things off limits or taboos. Someday I might be more reserved, more private, but today is not one of those days. Um, I used to believe that I, well, not believe, I used to know things. I used to say that I know things. If I was sharing a testimony at church or other things, I would say I know. And I look back at that and I think that's just so silly. Um, I used to be known and remembered um, by a number of labels and titles. Mormon, Latter-day Saint, devout, zealous. As a teenager, overzealous, I think, probably would be a good label. Um, apologist, gifted, spiritual, future leader, loyal, dependable, valiant, righteous. But because of many things, including my inability to forget the oppression and abuse of others, all of those identities and titles have been forgotten, erased, and replaced with some new ones. Some of them are really fun, some I'm really proud of. Apostate, anti-Mormon, ex-Mormon, heretic, disloyal, lost, spiritually dead, led away by the cunning of the devil, which is kind of silly. Intellectual, and these last two I really like, feminist and ally, although they weren't given to me as labels that were meant to be compliments by those giving them, but I take them as such. I'm okay with most of that, but I would be lying if uh, the loss or the forgetting of my tribal identity hasn't caused incredible pain. That plus the several years that I spent kind of wandering um, in the middle of a, of a faith crisis has really led me to feel forgotten of God, to forget things that I thought I knew, uh, forget that I was loved. But one of the things that's come out of that has been a deeper realization of how connected we are. So I want to think about known and loved through a different lens and, and really starting with being forgotten and forgetting. So I want you to think, you can close your eyes, keep them open, whatever you want. Think about when you felt forgotten. 
for those maybe in positions of privilege, it might have just ended as an awkward teenager and you haven't felt slighted or left out or erased or forgotten. But for so many, it continues to be a regular occurrence. But I want you to think about that and focus on, on an instance when you have felt forgotten. In Genesis, we read about this experience with Joseph. He was continuing to languish in prison because he had been forgotten. Not by God, but by a man. This man that he had helped. The man that forgot that Joseph's life was tied to his own. In Paul's letter to the Hebrews, we see on the flip side the incredible blessings that come when we remember one another and serve the other regardless of the label of friend or stranger. I want to share just a couple quick stories of things that have helped me find remembrance of my own path and my own identity and to help me forget that I was forgotten. I've told this story to, to some of you. I got really sick once in China about four years ago. So sick that I was uh, rushed to the hospital. I was having a heart attack. I wasn't, but I was vomiting every few seconds. Um, not a pleasant thing, but I remember at one point uh, the group that I was with was led by a couple of local Chinese people from Shanghai. And I didn't know them very well. I'd only known them for a couple days. But one of them sat with me holding my vomit bag while the other one rubbed my back. It's gross, I know. It was a moment of intense, intense vulnerability for me. But in that moment, the connection that I felt with these people that were treating me like one of their own was deeply spiritual and has been one of my favorite experiences in the many, many times that I've traveled to China. Partly because I thought I was going to die and I didn't, so that's, you know, a plus. Um, another experience I had, I, I, I was able to visit uh, an, a Hindu ashram that Gandhi set up in Ahmedabad, India, where they established community rules, things like collective action, nonviolence, um, economic independence. And I spent a few hours there learning unsuccessfully how to spin some thread, reading the rules of the community, thinking about my place within the world community, and realizing that I had more in common uh, with these, these people on the other side of the globe than I realized, and finding a sense of kinship and feeling known by my Hindu brothers and sisters. My CLU family has helped me remember that I am known and loved. At a very difficult time last winter, the morning after an incredibly difficult and painful meeting with my local priesthood leaders, I had phone calls from Scott asking, are you okay? A lot of others didn't call. He did. Last fall, uh, my wife and our two sons went with a few others from the CLU community to a Sikh Gudwara in Ventura to, to worship with Raldeep Gill and a few others. I was taught that I was known and loved by these wonderful people who welcomed us so warmly and who fed us a lot of food. And if you've never been and worshiped with Sikhs, you should, because as Raldeep says, they're kind of like the Catholic mothers of world religion, or the the Italian mothers of world religion. Um, it's really a, a wonderful experience. But what, what that taught me and what that reminded me is I want to be in a world that no one feels like a stranger or unwelcome. Uh, I want that for my sons. And so as we take them to different uh, interfaith worships, we want them to experience that sense of identity, that sense of kinship with others. And a really special experience this summer, the week after the Pulse nightclub shootings, I visited a Ramadan dinner with some new friends in, Central, or in uh, San Fernando Valley, and I had a really special experience with a man as I connected with him about being a father of sons. 
we were both moved to tears as we talked about what it meant for us to share the same hopes and dreams and frustrations and uh, kind of mystifying moments of, of having a son that's really stubborn. And again, I felt remembered, I felt known, and I felt loved. And we connected at a level that transcended any differences of theology or of dogma. Paul taught of a body in which all members are connected and not forgotten. Mother Teresa, I guess St. Teresa now, says, if we have no peace, it is because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. We look around, we see forgetfulness of a much deeper severity than my own, much more urgent than my own. Children of Aleppo, forgotten. The children and the families of Trayvon, of Michael, of Alton, of Sean, of Eric, and this week of Alfred and El Cajon, they feel forgotten and discarded. Women who have worked harder and sacrificed more to be forgotten in promotions and raises and interrupted a lot. Identities and marriages and families that are continually sought to be erased by politicians and by men who claim to speak with and for God. When I was in India two weeks ago, we were confined to our hotel for a few days because two states in India forgot that they belonged to each other and they were fighting over water and there were violent riots in the streets. Children of Abraham, Jews, Muslims, and Christians, siblings have forgotten that we belong to each other and that all of our theologies call us to a covenant of kinship. I love this verse that was shared recently by Dr. Rosaslan at an interfaith service from the Quran. It's from chapter 41, verse 34 and 35. And not equal are the good deed and the bad. Repel evil by that deed which is better. And thereupon, the one whom between you and him is enmity will become as though he was a devoted friend. But none is granted except those who are patient, and none is granted except one having a great portion of good. If the disease is forgetfulness and the diagnosis is enmity, then the treatment is remembrance and the prognosis is kinship. If I've learned anything the last few years, it's that I believe it's a great mistake to wait to sit back for God to fix it. To wait for Jesus to appear and make everything right. To wait for karma to balance it out. I believe that the God who created us in God's image is not always the same God that man has created in his image. And for us, it's up to us, not up to God to remember to know and to love each other. Only then, and perhaps only as a byproduct of our love for each other, will we know anything resembling God. Over Skype in China, I don't know, it was maybe two in the morning that Rabbi Bell and I had a conversation about this week, and she helped me prepare. She mentioned something about the cross that I had never thought about before. The intersection of the vertical and the horizontal. It's the concern for the hereafter, for things afterwards, after life, meeting the concerns of the here and now. And I realized that I spent most of my life being far more concerned, looking up, following every rule, thinking about dogma and policy, how much tithing percentage have I paid, have I abstained from the right things, have I served in the right callings. In the process, I forgot those surrounding me, suffering and pain and forgotten. So the call today is one of remembrance, not for us to remember how important we are to God, but to call each other to remember one another, to stand with those that are suffering, a call to remember that black lives matter, a call to remember to stand with our neighbors, undocumented, Muslim, transgender, to stand with them, especially when others shun them, turn them away, and forget them. Rosh Hashanah marks God's creation of the world. It's also a miraculous birth or celebration of the patriarch Isaac and later the prophet Samuel to Hannah. 
It symbolizes newness of life and recreation of our own hearts and recommitment to turn away from the things that distance ourselves from God and from each other. And then 10 days from Rosh Hashanah is the culmination, the Sabbath of Sabbaths, Yom Kippur. That's known by lots of names, Day of Atonement, Day of Judgment. I read one, one source that talked about it being kind of the last minute to get in your repentance before your sins were sealed. I let, the title I found that most resonated with me was Day of Remembrance, a day to acknowledge the flaws, the faults, the forgetfulness of the past year, a day to remember, to recommit, and to turn again to each other and to find atonement through that act. So again, the call today for myself, for all of us, is a call parallel to the celebration of Rosh Hashanah and then 10 days after to Yom Kippur, the day of remembrance. Let's remember the times where we were forgotten so that day by day we can grow in love and grace in unconditional positive regard for the forgotten and empathy. And let us not seek to just square ourselves with the God we choose to worship, but to struggle to find the remedy the redemption of remembrance, the cure of kinship, a return to one another, known and loved. Amen. Let us pray. At times, we may feel forgotten, yet time and again, you remind us that you are with us, witnessing and protecting us as we grow. Help us remember those we have forgotten, propel us to take action to reconnect. And help us to forgive those who have forgotten us, propel us to find compassion. Amen. May God's peace and love shine upon you. May you remember to project this love to others. Go in peace and love to serve God with everyone you seek.